Blog Talk Radio. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense and sound judgment of the American people and their essential love of justice. Hi, and welcome to the Kudzu Vine for November 25th, 2018. I'm your host, David McLaughlin. Welcome back to the show, Catherine Smith. Greetings from Atlanta. Thank you for uh, filling in for me while I was out last week. Yes, and thanks to Steen Kirby, too, for coming in um, as well. And welcome, Tim Shiflett. Good evening, sir. Yes, and I'm excited to have y'all on the show. And in about 20 minutes, we're going to have Luke Ramseth of the Jackson Clarion Ledger to discuss uh, the Mississippi U.S. Senate race. Also, he's recently worked uh, for the Salt Lake City Tribune, and um, he may discuss a little Utah politics while that's still fresh. Um, from his work uh, through this summer there. So we're interested in having Luke on soon. But until then, it was the Thanksgiving holiday um, this week, and I want to ask you all to go around and tell what you're thankful for, any of the other cliches, no um, hand turkeys or anything. But uh, Donald Trump, (laughs) one of the things that if you're president you do is you visit the troops. You also usually visit the troops in a war zone. Um, if troops are in the field, in war zones, you know, they get a visit from the president. And I was just shocked at how far this went back. Uh, Politics won, uh, Ron Gunsleberger, uh, he had on his Twitter feed all of these pictures going back to Abraham Lincoln visiting troops during the Civil War. Now, I know that was a home match. Um, it was a little easier to get to than um, some of the far, you know, some of the uh, farm wars. But Franklin Roosevelt, George W. Bush, George H. W. Bush, um, Ronald Reagan, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama—they all were in this photo feed. Dwight Eisenhower, uh, all of these folks visiting the troops. Uh, Tim, what do we make of this? Well. Uh, this deal is beginning to look sort of odd, even for Donald Trump. Uh, you you would think, when, when I was seeing this sort of thing, uh, visiting the troops, the pomp and the circumstance, the great photo ops, the admiring troops right around the president, all wanting to touch him, shake his hand, that sort of thing, I, I would think that Trump would actually revel in that sort of thing. He loves being worshipped, obviously, uh, or being found over or adoring crowds clapping for him. Did did he not think the troops would give him the uh, proper welcome or... so 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 I wonder if he has some sort of paranoia attached to this. It, it, is he fearful for some reason? Uh, 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 the the thing in France, he it, with the rain and all, he, he came off looking like a what a snobbish idiot. Yeah, really, none of it makes 
really, really sense. Uh, surely he's not fearful of the soldiers, is he? Just because he never served himself. Uh, something, something rather oddball about all of that, even for Trump. I, I know Trump is odd, but th- this is odd even for him. And I don't think this one is even a winner with his base. I, I don't see how he could no. be. So. Yeah, I, I don't think it is a winner for the base. Catherine, I, I'm going to give you my theory real quickly, and you can tell me if you agree with it or if there's more to it. A day spent in the Middle East is a day that can't be spent at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> <laughs> Laziness. Well, I, I can't re- Did he go last year? What did he do last he's year? He's never visited the troops in a no, war zone. I'm sure he's uh-uh, visited never. troops okay. somewhere. But, yeah. Well, I think um, I, I have to go with Tim. I, I'm very puzzled by it because thing that he would sort of, you know, love to be, you know, sort of the center of attention. Yeah. Um, and uh, all patriotic and, you know, make America great again. Um, I, w- I just, you, you know, you sort of have to wonder if there were some security concerns, if maybe the Secret Service didn't want him to do it, but they, you know, they'll never say that. Or, um, I don't know, I, I, I was puzzled by it. I thought it was kind of surprising. And then, I'm, I, I imagine we're going to get to this, his comments were – unbelievable unbelievable that a president on thanksgiving would say that he's thankful for himself <laughs> basically forget a president I mean, he, was, he, he did express he did it he did express um you know gratitude to the troops when he was on the phone with them with that call but then he went into this you know how bad the judicial he went, went, didn't he go on a tirade, tirade about the the, judicial system the to the proof. Yeah. Yeah. And then what is he most thankful for? How great he is for making the country so great. Like, really? Unbelievable. <laughs> what did you think of that, Tim? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. That, now, that's more like the oddball Trump that you expect. That that phone call. I mean, where he where he's talking about how thankful he is for of himself and telling <laughs> just that and that, that that is more like Donald Trump. It still don't make any sense that Donald Trump doesn't go and do, do this grand inspection of the troops or something like that. You remember how he just carried on about the Bastille Day festivities and the military parade. He come home all hyped up. Wanted his own military parades with, you know, guns and tanks and fire trucks and whatever else he could get his hands on, right? Why would he not go take advantage of this, take the press with him, look at the troops waving to their glorious, strong commander-in-chief? It seems like it would be right up his alley. But yeah. for some reason, the man seems almost frightened to do it. And, and and I just wonder if he has some sort of paranoia or a phobia or just, or just something very, very bizarre, even for him. I just I, – I can't put it together. 
Yeah, I, well, I mean, think about this. When he was over at, um, you know, in France and the World War II Armistice Day, 100th anniversary um, celebration, uh, honoring, um, there was, um, you know, he's supposed to visit the grave sites. And, and the, you know, the word got out that he didn't want his hair to get wet because it was raining. Well, if you think about it, if he goes out to a lot of these war zones, they're in the hot sun. I mean, they're a very hot environment, a lot of sand, um, you know, not going to be the way you can present yourself in your, you know, your blue suit um, and that kind of thing. Could it be that he's afraid that, you know, he may sweat a lot or he might not be able to wear the kind of clothes uh, to, or to be out of place if he wore his, you know, oversized suit? I mean, could it be that, Catherine? I don't know. It seems to me, and, and as I recall, like when President Obama went on Thanksgiving, you know, he used to do those, I guess a lot of them do those surprise drop-ins where they just like show up. It seems like it was inside. I mean, it's not like he's going to be out in the desert with the sand blowing in his face. He'll be inside in a big tent, probably. Yeah, somewhere outside, you know, somewhere in those pictures. Yeah. Yeah, well. Um I, it just seems like if he wanted to go, and if the Secret Service were uh, was okay with it, they'd figure out a way to make it work, right? I mean, they just—I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, every—I think, I mean, I think it's every odd. single president goes. Therefore, I don't see how the Secret Service would be an issue. And as far as war zones go, I mean, I can't imagine that Afghanistan or Iraq are as hot a war zone as where Franklin Roosevelt would have visited uh, during World War II, um, yeah, you know, well, or but, but George have, W. Bush, that the war was much more active at that point. Well, we just have, we have different um, ways of evaluating risk than we did in, you know, in 1945, 46. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I'm just saying. But, I think that, but also, um, it might be something that's specific to this president. That they're concerned about. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Yeah, I. It's, I'm, it's, I'm uh, I, I don't think it is the Secret Service, Tim. I, I, I'm guessing he's a nut. I, I mean, that's what <laughs> I'm guessing. He, he's, a, he's a nut. He's a nut. You don't have to guess about that. We all know that. I mean. <laughs> oh. Oh me. Yeah. How, how yeah, can I, we? Just, how can we? How can we be sitting here in 2018? Talking about somebody like that being in the White House, I still have a hard time coming to terms with the fact that anybody thought it was a good idea to put this fool uh, at, at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Just um, what what do they expect? They get stuff like this. They get stuff like this that is so bizarre that. It's beyond bizarre, and this is beyond bizarre, guys. This one, jeez. What? Yeah, I, I definitely. I, oh, I know. And, and the thing is, is, is there's been so many things outside of this that have been so strange. Like just today, um, the, you know, he he wants more government spending, but he wants a plan to reduce the national debt. And I'm assuming he wouldn't want to, you know, undo his, you know, tax cuts he's so proud of. And so it's like he doesn't understand basic math. 
You, you know, there's uh, uh, there's yeah. three things that all Americans like. Paul Simon said once, and I'm talking about the U.S. senator, not the singer. Uh, lower taxes, more government spending, and no deficits. But you can only have two of the three. He doesn't understand right. you can't have all three. I mean, that just shows a, a basic lack of understanding of, you know, government and economics. Um, and, Catherine, this is a guy that, you know, prides himself on being such a businessman and, and understanding money so well. Well, I think, I think we're, gonna, we're all going to learn a, a lot more about that as soon as, the, as soon as they get their, his tax returns, which is going to happen, I'm guessing, in the first like week of the new Congress, because all they have to do is go to the Treasury and ask for them. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. I definitely think that's um, you know going to be fascinating when that takes place. Um, well, let's go ahead. I think we've got enough time to turn to another subject real quickly uh, before our guest. And, and Georgia has a pair of runoffs: um, the Secretary of State's office and one of the Public Service Commission offices. Um, you know, obviously, if you go to vote for one, be a great idea to vote for both. Uh, but this runoff, they're thinking it's going to be very low turnout in general, but then um, could it be that the Democratic intensity remains because of the way that pretty much all the elections, but certainly the governor's race went in Georgia, where there were so many um, odd things coming out of Brian Kemp's office, both leading up to and even on the day of their total inability just to get drop cords um, to voting sites. So I think that's placed a renewed emphasis on the Secretary of State's um, uh, office. Catherine, what do you think – or how are people around, say, in town viewing this Secretary of State's race? There is a very important um, step in um, assuring access and uh, the stopping of voter suppression – I think it's really important that people get out and vote and hopefully vote for John Barrow. Um, I think we have so many problems with our elections that, I mean, it's going to be a a, a big job for, for anyone to make the necessary changes and corrections. You know, we're probably going to, we're going to need new voting machines. We've needed them for a while. We have, we need to have some, um, standardized regulations about around, you know, voting times and or advanced voting and ballot handling, all these things. It's like there's like 159 different ways everybody does things. And we've just got to it's just got to get short up to, to be a more modern and um, and fair system. I mean, the one thing that I've been thinking about a lot since this election is. So this is what happened this time. So what happened in the past? Like how many votes have gone uncounted for years, for decades probably? So it's, it's, um, it's quite a job, and I, I think John Barrow's up to it. I do not think Brad Raffensperger is. I don't think he's got the skills and um, experience that put him in a good place to be successful. Yeah, and and there's two halves to that to me, skills and desire. Um, And I'm not sure Brian Kemp had either of them at times. Uh, I definitely think there are Republicans that have no desire to count all the votes, like the Senate fell in Kansas, Chris Kovach, 
I think he has the skill to do things. I just don't think he has any desire. Um, but, Catherine, I'll ask you one more question before I turn to Tim. Uh, we discussed pr- the primary race quite a while back in the summer, um, and you were not the biggest fan of John Barrow, I mean, to be honest. Um, but how are maybe you and people that maybe also are not card-carrying members of the John Barrow fan club viewing this race given the importance of it? I mean, like, how are you reconciling those two facts? Well, um, I, I was not a fan of um, John Barrow when he was a congressman. I didn't like a lot of his votes. I I uh, could go on and on about that, but I won't because it's in the past. Um, a lot of my friends feel, felt, felt the same way, were very unhappy with his, his um, performance or record as a congressman. But uh, we've, all, we've all talked about it, and we all recognize how important it is that we get these, you know, get some changes and get this, get the Secretary of State's office in shape and get voters increased confidence in the voters, increased confidence in the voting system for the voters. And we're all on board. Everybody that I've talked to try to get John Barrow elected. So, yes. Well, Tim, back when we made predictions for the general election, I think you and I both made the same prediction that John Barrow would get the most votes of anybody running statewide as far as the percentage. Obviously, top of the ticket always is usually going to get more votes, but as far as percentage, and he did. He, he, he forced a runoff. Um, it was what, about a two-point race. Um, why do you think that John Barrow um, connected to a little bit more degree than other candidates on the ballot? Well, it was a little closer than a two-point race, actually. He within two. He, uh, yeah, he. I mean, it was sixteen thousand votes difference between him and Raffensperger. Um, he, he he was in a unique position of being a moderate Democrat that appealed to more rural voters. Uh, and at the same time being the beneficiary of having a very strong progressive candidate at the top of the ticket who would drive turnout in the metro area to benefit him as well. So he uh, was one person who could actually benefit from the two Georges, not not just one or the other. Um and it got him very close. Now, a more interesting thing for this runoff, Duval, the uh, libertarian, actually endorsed him. I, I I was scratching my head trying to think if I ever recall in a statewide race a libertarian uh, who, you know, was out after the first round of voting, who then turned around and endorsed the Democrat. They normally do not do that. They endorse the Republican. And so it uh, adds a little bit of interest to this runoff. Uh, the question, will Democrats turn out? Uh, yeah. I know I sure will. I'm, I'm going to be voting tomorrow, as a matter of fact. Uh, if, if if Democrats and Libertarian voters come out, we win this race. Um, 
I don't think that's true in the PSC, but 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 in this race, we if the if the voters would come out this time, we we win this race. We would. Yeah, I think I think I was actually going to ask about that Libertarian candidate. Um, I think that um, obviously Democrats will be motivated to come out, but then will Libertarians actually show up, and will they actually follow their standard bearer in the general election? That's a, a big factor too. Yeah, well, let yeah. me go ahead, and uh, we're going to move west uh, right now. Welcome to our guest for the first time from the Jackson Clarion Ledger, Mr. Luke Ramseth. Uh, Ramseth. Welcome, Luke. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, uh, good to have you. Um, I know currently you work for the Jackson Clarion Ledger, but I know you've worked other places and had other things going on. Just start off by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, new to to the South, new to Mississippi. Uh, Moved down here to the Clarion Ledger a couple months ago, and and have been – well, so far, just been kind of covering politics in this this Senate race here. Uh, before that, I was at the Salt Lake Tribune for a little while in Utah, um, covering kind of a variety of things, and and grew up in the West, so also spent some time up in uh, Eastern Idaho and California. Before that, so yeah, but mostly spent most of my career in the West, and more recently uh, now in Jackson. Yes. Well, um, I, you know, I, I started this thing off and welcomed you on. I'm going to go ahead and pass it to my co-host to cover all these Mississippi questions, and they're going to come back over to me. Um, Tim, your questions about the Mississippi uh, Senate race. Uh, good evening, sir, and thank you for being with us. Um, Donald Trump is doing two events for Senator Hyde Smith. Is it needed? Um, I, I, I guess uh, I guess that's a good question. I think um, I think most folks still feel like the senator is still going to be just fine on Tuesday, but there has been some serious concern in these past past couple of weeks. Uh, there's been kind of a lot of chatter behind the scenes that things are getting a little bit more. Close. Uh, we haven't had any real solid kind of public polling, um, but certainly there's been a lot of uh, a lot of money being spent uh, more recently since she made the comments about uh, attending a public hanging, and uh, mm-hmm. and Republicans are trying to kind of shore up support for her and 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 that Trump visit is obviously you know going to do some of that. Now. Uh, you know, you you made allusion to the gaffes, and those those are well known, well publicized. Uh, I'm sure both in and out of Mississippi. But since Senator Hyde Smith was appointed and not elected, is it fair to say that she might not have her own loyal base of support? By that I mean, is her base simply those who pull the Republican lever? I think that's a that's a relatively fair assessment. I don't, you know, I haven't been I haven't been here long enough to really have a, a real more in depth understanding. But but she does have some um, some name recognition in the state because she has headed up the uh, the agriculture department here. 
for a few years, and before that, she was a, a state senator for quite a few years. Um, so mm-hmm. she's she's been around. She's a political veteran, but uh, but I think I think you're right. She might not have uh, quite as much of that name recognition because uh, because she was appointed by the governor back in April. So. Uh huh. And and you know we uh, we we've heard about her gaps and about the. Confederate ball cap uh, <laughs> right. picture and all of this stuff. Right. But then there's Mike Espy. Uh, is he facing any scrutiny because of either his resigning as Secretary of Agriculture back in the 90s or, or his lobbying in more recent years, like on behalf of the dictator uh, uh, Gabago over there in, in the Ivory Coast? Has any of that been talked? in Mississippi it has I mean it, it actually has uh, the the latter issue you mentioned there that consulting contract he had with the Ivory Coast former Ivory Coast leader that's certainly gotten a lot of attention the past few days no I think I think um, some of those issues really have come up and a lot of that has been some of the Hyde Smith uh, campaign folks mm-hmm. really hammering on the messaging and others you know trying to get that story out there but no, it has become an issue. Um, I think he's he's always seems like you know uh, not surprisingly his being forced out as um, uh, secretary of agriculture always has kind of uh-huh. has kind of followed him on the campaign trail. But um, but more recently, this seven hundred fifty thousand dollar consulting contract, which only came up really I think about a week and a half ago. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's been a consistent issue, and he, it has been written about a lot here. He's received quite a few questions about it now and now and again at campaign events. Um, so he has had to answer for that, and he also had to answer for it a bit at the uh, debate that we had here on Tuesday. So, yeah. Okay, and with that, I'm going to pass it over to Catherine. Catherine. Hey, thank you so much for being on with us tonight. I, uh, see, I uh, work for an organization that has uh, does some work there, so I'm I'm pleased to talk about this a little bit. Um, I was wondering, that, you know, there's been a lot of talk the last few days after the after the sort of weird debate with no media and no no audience, right. and then the notes and the, all this stuff. Um, and I've only seen a little bit, just a, a couple little clips of it. But from what I saw, it seemed like um, she's just kind of stumbling along, and SB seemed quite poised and polished. Is that generally the case, or was it just rare that, or was it just an anomaly in the debate? No, I think I think you kind of nailed it. I, I mean, certainly. Um, she struggled at, at times and she definitely came off as, as, you know, having, being sort of overly practiced and often, often reading off her notes. She had a bunch of notes, uh, on the podium that she kind of spread out. Um, and so that was, that was a little bit, I think, bizarre for some folks to see her sort of reading off those at various times and, and still sort of, uh, you know, she delivered some, some pretty strong, attack lines that she had practiced, but also sort of, I think, stumbled through a few of them. SB was um, kind of more extemporaneous and and it did get after her, but I think a lot of people said, you know, he, he really didn't 
uh, he wasn't that aggressive. Maybe, you know, maybe I, I guess, you know, obviously it's been a while since he's been in a debate situ- situation yeah. like that as well. So he, he probably wasn't as strong as he could have been either. And I'd like to talk a little bit of, so you don't have any early voting and you have very restrictive absentee voting um, rules. Is that correct? Is that right. my, is that correct? Yeah. 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 And, but there, I guess there was one county that re- had really high absentee voting in the um, election, like Hines County or something. Someone told me, is there any, is there any question about that? Or is there, and is there any discussion? Well, you're new. So, but do you think the legislature might take up some of these issues in the 2019 session to talk about some of these things? Or is that like, Totally out of the question. I would think the Republicans so. like. Um, I, I would think it comes up after this election, but uh, but yeah, I don't have a, the broader context time from past sessions. But I would think that yesterday um, there were some really really long lines for early voting, like people were waiting hours and hours. Uh, so I would think that's a that's an issue that gets brought up. Uh, oh, there was early voting yesterday. There was some early voting, yeah, and and, there, and people came were coming out for it, uh, at least here in Jackson, and so um, there were some there were some long lines, yeah. And then my last question is about so so I guess Walmart and some other pretty AT and T pretty significant um, corporate voices have you know asked for the re- refunds of their. Um, donations to Heinz Smith, is that right? Is that her name? And um, others have, you know, spoken out about, the, especially about this hanging comment. Do you think that will have could have any impact? I mean, Walmart. I was shocked that Walmart would do that. Yeah, I think it. I think it does make a difference, and certainly Espy's been mentioning that he, in the debate, and and other times has has specifically, like you did, mention Walmart, like. Uh, you know, you know, maybe you didn't think this was such a big deal, but by the way, Walmart wants its money back, and so do these other big corporations. And more recently, today, kind of the big story this morning was that uh, the MLB had given her a donation, and and now oh yeah, is asking that. for that back as well, which is also kind of notable, I think, for a certain you know group of voters, perhaps. So you think that could, I mean. Obviously, I mean, obviously, we all know that Mississippi is a is among the reddest of red states. <laughs> so, yeah. no, I don't think anybody is like banking on um, SB winning. But it seems like all these things together give him a little bit more of an edge than well, obviously, because we saw it in the in the election than them not happening. So. I think the right. weakness of um, the weakness of the current senator, and then some of these gaffes, and then things like this Walmart thing, all these things can, can you know it's like you have to you have to be in the game in order to win. <laughs> so uh, right, there has been some sustained coverage, you know, with those companies asking for their money back, and and other sort of developments following the initial hanging comments. Maybe some people thought after those comments were made and you know, that it would kind of die down and it did for a, a minute. And then there's been new developments almost every day here and there. So there has been some sustained coverage, which 
you know, I guess we'll see if that makes a big difference. Well, thanks so much for being on. I'm going to pass it to David. I know he has some other questions for you. Thanks a lot. Okay, thanks. Yes. Uh, well, Luke, one question about Mississippi and about Cindy Hyde Smith. Um, you know, she's already a U.S. senator. Odds are she'll be a U.S. senator um, after the election. How much has she hurt her credibility in the last two or three weeks with this campaign? Um, you know, I, I I think she she probably has done uh, a fair amount of damage in in some circles to her credibility. I, just in my reporting, um, something that people obviously bring up is, especially in in sort of her initial response to it, which was a bit was kind of a, a bit cursory, you know, they, they mentioned that, yeah, she's a, she's a sitting Senator and they expected at least, you know, an immediate apology or kind of explanation of, um, of why she said that. And some, some kind of acknowledgement of Mississippi's broader, you know, racial history, history of racial violence. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I guess it could certainly be an issue she, that that she deals with going forward, maybe um, in the Senate if she is reelected here. Yes. Well, I want to move over to where you were, you know, through the summer in the state of Utah, and uh, one of the most intriguing house races was Utah's second district, Ben McAdams, Mia Love. I mean, it came down to just a few votes. And uh, Ben right. McAdams, I think, pulled it out right in the end. Um, you know, Donald Trump actually even um, seemingly kind of attacked Mia Love, saying that one of the reasons that she lost, even though she retook the lead after he said it, uh, was because she gave him <laughs> no love. Um, right. Tell us kind of the dynamics of that race. In a state like Utah that's very Republican, uh, Mia Love, one of the few Republicans of color that's elected in the country – um, you know, how do how was that race really in play in Utah? Um, it, yeah, it's an interesting race. I mean, the district is is partly you know it's in partly Salt Lake County, partly Salt Lake City, which gives you know there are some Democrats and moderates there, and then it then it kind of goes down into more conservative country down into Utah County where Provo and BYU are, not in Provo but nearby. Um, so there is an interesting dynamic there. Um, ben McAdams, you know, long time, not, not that long, but has been uh, Salt Lake County mayor. He's he's kind of known in the area. And, of course, Mia Love's really uh, kind of historic election, first black uh, Republican woman uh, to be elected to the Senate a few years ago. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, really, really interesting race, and it was um, – you know, most of the drama has kind of played out here over these past couple of weeks because it was only decided, you know, weeks weeks after election day, and and was like you said, decided by I think less than 700 votes. Um, so it really, really came down to it, and that was because of, of course, Utah has this you know mail-in uh, voting system, so it took a while to kind of work through all those all those ballots and and. Uh, and do all the checking. Yes, and then one other race, um, it really wasn't a close race, but it got attention because of who was in it, was the U.S. Senate race. 
Uh, Mitt Romney won it, you know, fairly easily. Um, but then he's not been a big uh, Donald Trump proponent, even though he's a Republican. Um, what are people expecting to see out of Mitt Romney as a senator? I mean, is he going to be – is he going to take up the Jeff Flake, um, John McCain, Bob Corker mantle of being the Republican, uh, not unwilling to criticize Donald Trump? Or is he going to try to um, get in the Senate and still keep his national profile quite high? I think he, um, you know, he's obviously because of his background and, and everyone knows Mitt Romney that he's expected to kind of come in and, and make an impact right away. Um, he uh, has been critical of the president at times, but, you know, I think through the campaign, he really didn't, he really didn't necessarily hammer on Trump too hard. So it'll be interesting to see if he's if he's kind of the Jeff Flake type or someone who's off often vocal about the president or not. I guess my guess would be he is occasionally but oftentimes maybe maybe sits out, you know, when those controversies arise. Um but certainly I think people people expect him to kind of, you know, make moves right away. I saw a story just a couple of days ago that he's already he's already on the fundraising circuit, already, you know, getting out and um and raising some money. So um yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh what he does right off the bat. Yeah, just one follow up question. Um do you think he's trying to run and then serve in the US Senate? as a launching pad for a 2020-something uh, presidential bid? I don't know. I, I guess your guess is as good as mine on that. I don't. I haven't heard any chatter uh, to that effect. Um, no, but, uh, but I guess it's always possible to kind of get back in the political spotlight for a little while. Yeah, I, I just kind of – he seems to be the kind of person that seems to want to be president. He ran twice. He was on yeah. the Jimmy Fallon program right after he lost in 2012. Rumor was that he'd run in 2016. Um, he's yeah. moved states again from Massachusetts to Utah to run. I mean, it just it seems like that's not out of the question, although 2020 might not be the year, and who knows what the Republican Party will look like um, you know, down the road, but um, it, it just seems like he'll be older, but uh, he seems to have it in his blood. Well, um, yeah, Luke, I want to thank you for coming yeah. on the Cudsey Vine tonight. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, and, and good night. Yes, sir. and I know Mississippi will have their statewide elections coming up um, for, you know, soon with an odd year, so we may call back on you. That sounds good. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Okay. Thank you, sir. Thanks. Bye. All right, that was Luke Ramseth of the Jackson Clarion Ledger. I'm sure a lot of people will be reading that paper over the next few days, given that this is the biggest um, race in the country right now. Um, well, let's kind of uh, move back to Georgia. Well, actually, actually, it makes total sense, even though we a lot of times do our predictions late in the shows. Let's go ahead and give our predictions, and then we'll move to the next topic. Um, Catherine, uh, what do you think the outcome is going to be at Tuesday's race? going to win, but I'm hoping that it's very close. That'll boost the um, Democrats in Mississippi and um, 
you know, further boost the sort of um, feeling across the country. But I just, I, I don't see, I just don't see Mississippi electing a Democratic senator right now. Tim? Well, you sent the first public poll to us that anybody has gotten out. I guess in the numbers there, you look at the cross tabs and the breakdown of everything. No, nothing really looked promising there to me. Uh, the last time a Democrat was elected in the U.S. Senate in Mississippi, I believe, was 1982. Trump won this state by 18 points, I know, and he remains fairly popular there. Espy needs 25 to 30 percent of the white vote to win. I just can't see it. Hyde Smith's going to win, I'd say, 53 to 47. Yeah, which is really a huge increase from 18% to 6%. So that still would fit in that trend of Democrats outperforming a state's lean. Um, And I I agree with y'all. If if this were an election where it was just on a regular election day, I think it would absolutely be no doubt that Cindy Hyde-Smith would win. Um, The one caveat, I guess you could say, is if, you know, a lot of Republican-leaning voters just say, eh, I'm just not going to bother. Maybe they think, ah, oh, she's going to win. And Democrats are super motivated to get out. And um, somehow that changes the electorate where then, Cindy, then um, Mike Espy doesn't need as big a percentage of the white vote because the vote, uh, the, the, make, the racial makeup of the electorate were more tilted minority. Maybe in that circumstance he could hope for something. But if, if it's a traditional anywhere near traditional turnout model, I just don't see how he wins in that state, um, that where Democratic candidates um, often get under 20% of the white vote um, in a lot of races. So uphill battle for uh, Mike SP, but I, I think he's afforded himself well in the first round and probably will do so again in the second round. And Cindy Hyde-Smith in no way has afforded herself well She's bought, brought shame to herself and to her state, um, as been noted uh, around the country. Um, let's go ahead and move into, speaking of uh, bringing shame to your state, uh, there was a bill pre-filed <laughs> in the Georgia legislature, and I know the guys from in North Georgia, I want to say it's probably just straight up North Georgia or North uh, East Georgia. Um, I did not remember to write down his name or pull it up. But he has introduced a bill to allow Georgians to carry around guns without a permit. Just if you could legally have a gun, which I guess that's a lot of folks, you could just have your gun around with you, no permit needed. Um, Catherine, your thoughts on this? (laughs) It's ridiculous. What we don't need is more people with guns. Like, I mean, watching the news every day, all these, you know, the single gun incidents alone, and then these uh, attacks on in, you know, in the temple, in the shopping mall on Black Friday. You know, I mean, it's ridiculous. I don't even know. I don't even, I can't even begin to think what 
these people are thinking that I just I don't understand it. Well, Tim, Tim um, I it? agree with Catherine. <laughs> no, I mean, I agree that it's ridiculous, but Tim, doesn't it become law? Because uh, what Republican has uh, voted against or vetoed anything involving well, guns in Georgia? In this particular case, this guy's name is uh, uh, Matt Gutler. He's from Tiger, which is way up in Rapin County. Way way up in the mountains and right right by the state line up there, and uh, he has a reputation as um, uh, a guy that's out there on his own that gets really no support for the stuff that he hands into the desk. Uh, and he, he's a loner. He he's he, he's an oddball. He's he's not one that gets along with his fellow legislators. A lot of times, like they'll vote unanimously on something, and he'll be the lone vote the other way. He's that oh. type of guy. And his House Bill Two simply states that anyone who is legally allowed to own a gun can carry one without the seventy-five dollar license to the the state or whatever else. Um, this fool started quoting the Constitution, of course, naturally. <laughs> I, I, I get so sick. don't have a clue what the Second Amendment is even about to start with. The chances of this particular bill even making it out of committee are almost nil. But remember I said this, guys. We still know the makeup of the legislature. It's still Republican, and we have Brian Kemp coming into the governor's office. I'm going to predict that some sort of gun rights legislation will pass with great fanfare and maybe a signature signing ceremony up on Fort Mountain or somewhere like they've done before. Um, that Something will pass this session. That, that's my prediction. But not this yeah, guy's I mean, deal. Well, I think, you know, if it is going to be stopped, it'll be stopped in committee because that if it ever makes it to the floor, then you know, by and large, every Republican's going to vote for it. If it Nathan won't. Deal originally vetoed a bill to keep guns off of college campuses, but then later signed it, Brian Kemp, at all intents and purposes, seems to be to the right of Nathan Deal has less interest in recruiting businesses to Georgia than Nathan Deal did. Therefore, um, you know, what's going to stop them if this thing gets out of committee? Because um, they just seemingly, you know, they just want to push and push with guns until, I guess, you get one, you know, at birth and you're mandated to carry it um, at all times from then on. Because if you won't, over testosterone uh, college students um, to carry weapons around or have weapons around, then I mean, you really, you know, don't have a, a negative view of uh, firearms at that point. I mean, Catherine, do you think that um, Republicans would openly, if they had to, oppose such a bill? Um, probably not, but there might be some behind the scenes shenanigans that go on to, you know, like the rules committee or something where they 
they they don't have to like publicly uh, be against it, but they can, you know, work the back room to make sure it doesn't come up to be voted on. Uh, I, I I tell you what, I, I think I think I'm right here. The 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 Catherine, you know, the legislature. You you've had to work them in your job um, more times than David and I could count. And when a person is a pariah, they could introduce the best bill on this planet, and right. it'll never see the light of day because of the person who authored the bill, right? Yes, absolutely. So that's my that's my prediction. I'm holding to it. This particular bill will not be passed, but don't be surprised if something else written by a more popular representative or state senator uh, passes. That that's I, yeah. I think some gun rights legislation is going to pass this this session, just not this particular piece. What do you say, David? Yeah. Well, I just wonder how this guy got elected if he's so unpopular. Um, and, and you know what? I remember a time when Josh McComb um, was that pariah, but then his religious oh, liberty bill, he you, kept you know pushing. what, David? Um, they David, pushed that I, through. I, David, David, I've seen U.S. congressmen wear that mantra of pariah. We had one here, his name was Larry McDonald, and he was wildly popular, and he was a joke in the halls of Congress. He was a national president of the John Burt Society. He was that type. He would like vote against the whole appropriations bill every year and, and that sort of thing. They would walk by him. You know, he was one of these, there's a communist on every corner, Ned, ask him, you seen any reds today, Larry? But he got elected easily in his own district. The voters loved him. That's all, yeah. that's all this needed. That's all this yeah. needed. Pretty bizarre. Because, I mean, why, why would yeah. you want somebody that was so ineffective uh, representing, representing you? Uh, speaking of kind of, you know, how the image of our state and things like that, something that I think we talked about we didn't put on the show docket, but it fits here, is um, a lot of Hollywood stars talked about, you know, maybe we should pull our, um, you know, movies from Georgia. And, of course, Georgia has really seen the – movie industry explode. Multiple movie studios are housed um, in Georgia. I think actually more th- than any other place of the top 20 grossing films were in Georgia this past year. Um, and then, of course, Stacey Abrams came up and said, you know, don't do that. That that just won't uh, help. It'll hurt the state of Georgia and probably hurt the people you're not trying to hurt. Um, Catherine, if Brian Kemp and the Republicans were to screw up the movie industry in Georgia. Um, what kind of political damage would that do to them? Um, well, it depends on what you mean by screw up. You mean get them to like so they well, like they abandon the, the amount them. of the uh, movies I mean, that get filmed in Georgia get cut in half. I mean, there's a substantial mm. drop in movies. I mean, you know, something quantitative. Well, I think that um, it. I, I think it could hurt them if um, if it's properly covered. 
you know, if it's just, I mean, it, it, it's really, it comes down to about messaging. You know, if the media says, oh, these whiny um, Californians didn't like our, you know, our RIFRA and our gun laws, so they, you know, ran away. Or if, if the media and other people who message around these things say, say well, these um, Hollywood studios didn't want to work in a state that didn't have um, non-discrimination laws and um, fair wage laws and, you know, unions and, well, probably they probably wouldn't say that about unions, but um, I think it really depends on how the word got out and what the reasons were. If it was just a bunch of whiny liberals, nobody would, you know, most of the Republicans in Georgia wouldn't care. They'd say, oh, we'll find some up some other business. We'll just redo the gulch and have, you know, whatever they're going to put there. Yeah. Tim, kind of the same question. If, um, you know, the movie industry took a big hit in Georgia, um, how could Brian Kemp and other Republicans, you know, would they get blamed and how severely would they get blamed? Yeah, I I think – the public might not like that when we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars that could disappear from the state coffers, and uh, you know multiple thousands of jobs. Uh, there are some small counties now on the outer ring of the metro area that just thrive on things being filmed. In, in their areas, uh, I mean, it, it's like the main economic shot in the arm for them uh, every year. And we're talking about on the outer ring, some of these counties that still are pretty red. Uh, the way things are trending demographically, and they're starting to accelerate, if the results of this election uh, – or any indicator. Republicans cannot afford to start dropping votes in these counties. Um, you know, we we talked about Brian Kemp actually running better in some of these counties than Trump did. Uh, they can't afford to bleed out any votes. When, when you're separated by 50,000 votes in an election now statewide, I mean, two, three, four-tenths of a percent, anything could tip it. Uh, I, I I hope my prediction is going to hold here that even Kemp and that bunch are not dumb enough to pull a stunt like that. Uh, of course, after what Mike Pence said, you know, this ain't, this ain't Hollywood, this is Georgia, Duh. I mean, I don't. I, maybe they are that dumb, guys. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't even think Mike Pence understands that um, Silicon Valley probably moves California more solidly Democratic than uh, Hollywood does. Um, yeah, and, and look at well. all this film here now. We're like the, the number one go-to place nearly in the world now for filming. I mean, jeez. Yeah. Uh, well, and um, kind of t- last topic of the night. Got a few minutes talking. You know, bringing this thing back national. Uh, the Speaker of the House race. 
um, Nancy Pelosi, we know that the Republicans have targeted her for years. Um, I listened to a book pretty recently by Rick Wilson, who was a never-Trumper, that actually said, you know, Nancy Pelosi's poll numbers are, are not good with, you know, swing voters or what have you, independents. But then I think it could be argued that anybody in a leadership position, um, usually their negatives go way up because they are centered on. Um, Democrats did really, really well in the House. Um, so it doesn't seem like it's the best year to change your leadership if you say, hey, your leadership um, did well. Uh, Catherine, looking at all these different aspects, what's your thoughts on the Speaker of the House race? Oh, it's going to be Nancy Pelosi, and uh, it should be. Uh, I mean, I think she's already she's mentioned that she's, she would be a sort of transformational, transitional leader. And um, I think she's, you know, certainly uh, this is going to be a tough Congress with with Republican control of the Senate and a, you know, uh, weird uh, leader, uh, a weird president. Um, So, and she's, you know, got so much. Um, history and skill and um, I just I think she's the best choice for right now but I do think they need to bring some younger people in underneath her and also start grooming some of these younger um, congressional leaders to so that we're in good stead when we're ready to replace her yes Tim your thoughts on the Speaker of the House race. Well, I don't think there is a race now. She's pretty much yeah. eliminated any genuine opponent that that she had by making deals. Uh, she saw to, saw to it herself. Uh, she has the job. She deserves the job. She's done it before. She knows how to do it. I do realize that there are some newer members that are coming in for the first time. They actually ran as opponents uh, to her speakership and pledged to not support her election. There's going to be a little handful of them. Hey, I get that. These people have to honor their pledge. That's fine. It won't be enough of them to matter. And this stuff that the Republicans have always loved to do about running against Nancy Pelosi. Guys, did you notice that old dog wasn't hunting this year? Yeah, because this race didn't is make all about no Donald Trump. It didn't make no difference in the congressional races. We had the big, the the best congressional races we've had since Watergate. So that yeah, that they've done that one too too many times, hadn't they, with her? Yeah, and I mean it's not it just wasn't about her in any way, nope. shape, or form. Um, nope. One thing I will say I thought was strange is the candidate that was put up there, and I'm not sure how much she was interested in, uh, from Ohio, Martha Fudge, or um, Martha Fudge, I'm, I'm uh, blanking on her first name. Um, I never really saw her to fit the people that were pushing her. The folks that were you know, pushing the anti-Pelosi um, idea – didn't seem seem like they would want somebody else. Seems like they might want one of themselves. Um, 
you know, not her. I just thought that was a strange fit. Catherine, did you kind of think that as well? Yeah, it seemed odd. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't think she had any name recognition to speak of. And uh, but but it could be that. I mean, there's a lot of you know uh, behind the scenes stuff that goes on. It could be that they wanted someone to challenge Pelosi at, at the outset, just to sort of set the table, so to speak. And so, who knows why? she was the one who knows there's all kinds of things that go on as we all know yeah and i do agree with both of y'all i just don't think there's any race at this point apparently nope. she could lose 15 votes and they had 16 and two or three of them fell away pretty quickly and so there just wasn't much there um as well and they need to realize that you know nancy pelosi uh the republicans ran all those ads the Republicans made Tom Foley controversial, and he's not controversial. So that, that tells you um, how the Republicans' um, machine will do. And if one of them were to take the job, the Republicans would run against them as well. Um, Tim, I'll let you have the final word on this. Well, uh, the, the deal with putting up an opponent to Pelosi, she, she agreed to be put up because she wanted to do a deal, and the deal she wanted, she got. She wanted a, a subcommittee chairmanship, and she got it, and the people that were putting her up didn't none of them want to run because they're all a bunch of freshmen and stuff, and the leadership would hold it against them like forever, and it'd be a backbencher from then on. That was the deal. There was never a race, and there wasn't going to be a race. Yes. Well, until next week, this has been the Cudsy Vine. Good night, guys. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.